Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, guys, I mean, it's a topic we've never covered in four years and almost 400 episodes. Diamonds. I know. I'm so excited. Uh, I got information a couple weeks ago about this amazing company, Universal Diamonds, actually here in Atlanta. In fact, <laughs> we should be sitting together. Uh, we're only like a mile from each other right now. Um, but you're going to love my guest, Ronnie Agami's on today. Ronnie, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Justin, I appreciate you having me. I, I really look forward to it. Um, and, you know, if I wasn't selling diamonds, I think I'd be hosting podcasts. So thanks. For- <laughs> I love it. It's such it's so much fun. I have to tell you, I've met some amazing people like you. And um, that's part of what I, why I love doing this. And I love bringing stories to life. Um, you know, people don't know. Some people might know Universal Diamonds, but many don't. And so our audience gets to learn all about you and uh, the diamond industry today and what Universal is doing in it. So um, let's do this first. Let's rewind the clock. I know you had the business now for, gosh, close to 20 years or 20 plus years. But what did life look like for you before Diamonds? Or has it always been in this space? So, so that's a great question. Um, I've kind of been eating and drinking this business my entire life. I uh, would would go. This my father started the business. My father came came uh, was it came to the United States in 1970 to be an engineer, and it went to engineering school at Georgia Tech. And uh, one thing led to another, and he got into the. <laughs> got, I'm an industrial engineer. GT, I there, love it. Not good football there, team this year, but I mean, I love the industry. It's <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> And, and got an odd job to pay for school at a jewelry store. And here we are, Justin, you and I talking. And wow. when I, I went to the University of Michigan thinking I was going to be a lawyer. Go and in the summers, whenever I would do summer internships, I did one summer for the largest manufacturer of diamonds in the world at the time, which happened to be in Tel Aviv. Um, uh, the summer before I graduated from college, I worked actually in Tiffany & Company's diamond buying office in New York um, and lived in New York a little bit after after college as well, when I went to the Gemological Institute of America um, for training uh, in it for, for more of a formalized training, and then just hit the hit, hit you know hit hit the ground rolling afterwards. And um, um, I've been doing this for for twenty years. I will say that uh, COVID has been somewhat of a blessing here for our business, surprisingly. And um, if you would have asked me 18 months ago where we would be, I don't know that I would have had the same answer that I do right now. But the past 16 months have been some of the most fun uh, so far. I love it. I can't even wait to unpack that um, before I get there. Yeah. So political science and government undergrad from Michigan. So you thought you were going to do something different or was that helpful going uh, into the diamond industry? <laughs> you know, you know, it's always, you know, whatever business you're in, you know, whatever business any of us is in, you're in, I'm in, it's all about relationships, right? It's all about totally. knowing about knowing about history, knowing about connections, knowing about different ways to relate to people. And, um, and so if I would have studied something else, sure, maybe, maybe if I would have studied economics, that may have been a little bit more fitting for, for, for when I have to do some, some of the financial planning, but in dealing with everyday people, I think it's all, it's all about the Rolodex that you carry totally. and, 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 and the Rolodex in the new names that are being added to it. 
I totally agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I get the sense you're a connector. I view myself as that. I love figuring relationships out and like how they go together. And anyway, that's a whole other podcast for another time. Um, so let's talk about the industry. So really cool. So you decided to get into um, your the business with your father who had started Universal. Um, what is the diamond industry like? Give us like the landscape of the diamond industry. Because I don't know. I, I mean, I've been in a lot of industries working consulting and technology and all that but I've never worked around this. Help me understand and our audience understand the industry as a whole. So if, if you were to ask me about the diamond business in, in around 2000, I would have told you that De Beers was a monopoly. They control 80% of what comes out of the ground, what's mined. And then they had about 120 clients, which were called site holders. And they, they were the main manufacturers of diamonds around the world, New York, Belgium, Tel Aviv, India. Um, and that is how the, the business operated for, you know, 60 years, 70 years. Wow. And, um, and there were a few disruptions there. First of all, um, other people got into the mining business, especially in Russia and other places in Africa. And De Beers wanted to stop being a monopoly. They wanted to be a little bit more vertically in integrated. And um, in addition to that, um, the diamond business historically, the jewelry business historically, was one that ran on heavy, heavy margins. And, and one of the first disruptions happened was Blue Nile. And Blue Nile really took, took the margins from where, where somebody walked into a retail jewelry store, um, like a Zales or a Hellsberg, which today still run on, on 300% markups, wow. to, to, to uh, Blue Nile, where you're talking about somewhere between a 10 to 15% margin um, on, on a diamond to an end user. And that really, really changed things. So that would be in the early 2000s. Sure. Um, in, in today's day and age, um, look, we, we are the, the, the consumer is much more is much. Look, you, you, you're you, you have an Amazon background. People are much more comfortable with things arriving at their at their home in a box. Right. We can work virtually with we, we were vir- working virtually with people before covid. And so it was very natural during covid to say, OK, hey, we're going to email you some pictures, email you specs, email you side to side, side by side videos, the technology of the images of the jewelry of the diamonds in today's marketplace just it's just unheard of and and because all of those things play into somebody maybe not necessarily wanting to walk into a brick and mortar store also knowing that if they they get connected with somebody like me they may be getting for something for much better value than if they did walk into a brick and mortar store so um there and there are good things about walking into brick and mortar don't get me wrong sure. but uh but but those are all little 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 reasons for for all all the disruption that we deal with in today's market. Got it. Okay, so a couple of questions. So, it, one thing that is interesting about this industry, I feel like yes, I can go online, I can see shapes and 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 like oh, I like the look of that. Um, where the consumer, I think, needs help, especially is in this whole designation of the VVS one, the you know the designations of types of diamonds and like how, the quality and the you know color and all that and it makes it so you almost feel like you need an advisor someone that's like the expert to help coach you on that how do you think about that as you think about kind of this yeah it's like close to almost turnkey for a consumer but not quite because they still feel like they're not the expert and they need help so that's that's the beauty of what we do, right? You know, somebody when they're buying an engagement ring or they or they want to get something special for their loved one, um, buying a piece of jewelry is something that's like like you know, you need Moses walking you through the desert. <laughs> it just you know feels like yeah, it does a little bit, right? 
And you, you need that guide and you need, it's, it's more than just somebody holding your hand, right? You need somebody to explain things to you. You want to feel comfortable. Like if somebody's making a purchase for thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, they really want to be feel that they really know and understand what they're buying. Buying a diamond, especially a, a nice, good quality one, is not like buying a car, right? You can't just look under the hood and tell it's a V6, a V8, you know, how many liters, how many horsepower it has. You know, there, there are things from the person you're buying it from that you really need to have a strong comfort level. It, in our industry, there's there's we use the term trust a lot, but in my opinion, it's much more than just trust. There is an you have to the client needs to have an understanding of what they're purchasing. No question. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, at least that's been my experience in buying diamonds in the past is like, yeah, I can say I love that look or that shape or the, you know, the, the shape and size of the ring. But then when it comes to like the quality care and color, those types of things, I that's where I'm like, I don't get I'm, I'm not the expert. So I need help. Um, and I think that's what you guys offer, which is super, super helpful and amazing. Tell me this. Are there still like I know this is going to sound really dumb and everyone's going to laugh at me when they uh, Lonely hear this, but are there still diamonds like coming out of the ground? Like, and, yeah. and that, like it's, where does that yeah. happen? And how do they get to the store or the to you, someone like you? You know, how does that process so, work? So diamonds, so diamonds are mined in places like Canada. Diamonds are mined in Botswana and South Africa. Diamonds are mined in Russia. And what happens is, is those those people who mine normally have contracts with diamond, big diamond cutting companies, large diamond cutting companies in Tel Aviv and in India, who go and buy the rough itself and then go and manufacture it. And then they sell it to somebody like me who goes and keeps a very large diversified inventory of different sizes, different shapes, different price points. Um, and, and somebody like me, like I don't just buy it, but like I go ahead and set it, right? I make it to jewelry, make it to rings. Um, but it, it is a big process about it coming out of the ground, people finding it, people digging in the dirt. <laughs> then, then, then it, I then found it being, one. It's, I know it's not right. that simple. Then it, <laughs> then it being so, sorted. And then, right. and then, a, cut, a cutter deciding, okay, am I going to make this into a round? Am I going to make this into an oval, a cushion? And um, and there's an art to that uh, that that cutting process. And and that that's listen. Every diamond has a story. And so whether it's big, whether it's small, whether it's unique, it doesn't just happen. Somebody has to cut a diamond by hand and has to make it. Machines don't do this. Man, I love that. And I, I think that's actually an interesting thought. Every diamond has a story. And you're right. And, and and I think that's what's really cool about diamonds, and especially when they're passed on within family or given as gifts. Like there's a, it does feel like there's a story to that specific rock. You know what I mean? It's not the same as everybody else's. It's unique. And I think, by the way, I'm an Emerald Cut fan. Um, <laughs> My I love Emerald Cut too. I'm just my favorite. And, and, and I'll tell you one one of the neat things about us is I'll look at a diamond because of my experience and and what totally. I be, be, being in this business for so long is I'll see the beauty in something and say okay you know what this diamond wasn't cut to maximum brilliance maybe the shape on this should be a little bit different and I work with cutters myself in improving the diamond making it look better because to me that at the end of the day a client doesn't always understand what a diamond should look like and we should and that is kind of that holding their hand taking them through the desert making sure that what we offer or what we make is is special sure i love that now as a consumer uh that might be listening here how do how do you decide 
where to go and who to work with. And here's like I, I kind of you mentioned a couple of retailer names earlier, and I, I think of those as mall based retailers. And I feel like I see these, you know, the independent jewelers and and not in malls, but you know. And then I I get I hear radio commercials for uh, one specific uh, diamond company, and you'd think that they're they are here in Atlanta, but actually they're not. Um, they're everywhere. But it seems like the way that the ad is set up that it's local. Um, and and then there's online jewelry. How do I decide as a consumer? Like, what's the right place? to go? How do I think about that? Great, great question, right? It's so one is, you know, do you want to make a relationship with with who you're buying the diamond from, right? Do you want to create that long term relationship? Do you want to not just buy an engagement ring there, but you know, buy a wedding band? Do you want to get a push present? Do you want to later on maybe even want to get another ring or a different kind of ring? Um, um, for your loved one or partner there? So, so some of those things, uh, those are a few of the things. The other things are, is this, look, I, I, as, as much as I sell every different price point and, um, like I'll have a client for a $2,000 ring. I'll have a client for a $20,000 ring. I'll have a client for a $200,000 ring Dang. for, 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 that is apart because in a city like Atlanta, when somebody wants to buy something, especially that day, which does happen, believe it or not. For 200K. Um, here's, I just want a 200K ring here. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> can't imagine. Where, 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 where you can go and see and, and touch, you know, a, a gorgeous ring. And so so you're talking about what many times when somebody goes to a high-end store, they'll say, well, you know, we need to get something in for you. All right. What what we, I mean, and, and, and kudos to them. They want to have the right things to show you. But the thing about dealing with somebody like me is I'm invested in diamonds. Right. So I have millions and millions of dollars worth of diamonds in my inventory. And you say, OK, I want to look at an emerald cut, but I want to compare it with an oval. Right. You can just come in and look at it. Right. And you have it. it right. And and so for that type of consumer, whether they're buying a two carat for ten thousand or a two carat for twenty or a ten carat for two hundred thousand, right? We can put this stuff in front of them. Um, look, I, I I don't I I I don't want to knock the online sellers, but with the online seller, you can't trade with them, you can't upgrade with them, you can't create a relationship with them. And so so I, I, I I'm. I'm not not I'm not saying that you have to necessarily walk into a place and buy it, although being able to touch it and see it is important. But for those people, like I said, we work with people out of town. You, you, you when somebody calls me from Detroit or somebody calls me from New York and I meet them on Zoom, I remember them just like I meet remember somebody in person. So sure. you, you, you want somebody who wants to have you, you know, it's like, what do you want to get out of that? Um, what do you want to get out of that relationship? Sure. That makes sense. Um, and, and yeah, I totally get that. And I could see the the difference in the unique aspect. I mean, part of this is the experience, right? The experience of buying, the experience of picking out, the experience of um, providing that to, you know, to someone, knowing you're giving them something special. Um, you mentioned COVID earlier, and it's interesting. Uh, we have a lot of guests on with um, uh, all across the board in the product space. Some had amazing years. Like most actually had a, a really good year last year and this. Um, and, you know, surprisingly, right? Because of trends that changed in the consumer purchase behavior and like how people trafficked and didn't traffic places and whatnot. What did COVID look like for you guys? So at the beginning, um, COVID was um, scary, right? Like, listen, we shut down just like most businesses did. You know, we, we try to work from home um, for the first few weeks. And 
Um, so part of my business is a wholesale business. That's our core business. And, um, and because we were in Georgia, all right, uh, we could go in and operate. And uh, many of my colleagues, competitors in New York, in Chicago, in California couldn't. And so Got that it. put us one step ahead of them. Um, and in coming out of it right away, there was a little bit of pent up demand, people who needed to get engaged um, people who needed to buy stuff and weren't able to while they were in lockdown. But what we saw coming into the summer of 2020 was was strong demand and and difficulty on the supply chain. So so the the markets where diamonds were being mined and where diamonds were being manufactured cut were all shut down because of COVID. So for someone like me who sits on a large inventory, it was beneficial to have that large inventory. Um, you know, when, when you when you carry an inventory, your inventory can sometimes be your friend, it can sometimes be your enemy, right? And, right. Um, and, and money tied up in it, right? It's like it, yeah, so much you know, much cash tied up into your into your into your diamonds. And I love my diamonds, right? So like I believe in my product. And what happened was it was very hard to find good product because nothing new was being manufactured. Got so it. in our whole business, we saw a huge uptick. And then we started seeing high end demand, mainly because people couldn't travel. Got it. And sure. And, and and a number, and so so we we saw kind of the the first place where people were spending money if they had money was their home, and then <laughs> we had sure. right. Got it. So if if your wife was turning 50, 60, 30th anniversary, fiftieth anniversary, that type of purchase, you ain't going to know south of France. You ain't going. To <laughs> it's jewelry. <laughs> I got so or it's go. money burning money in your pocket, right? It's like I think a lot of people were like, oh my god, I'm used to traveling somewhere, I'm used to spending money. It's like oh. I did spend it on a lot of other things, right? Including so we, jewelry. So, we, so we've seen um, year to year, we've seen a 20% price increase on diamonds from pre, actually more than year to year from pre COVID. Got it. And, and, and the supply chain is, is continually having an issue. So because it's continuing having an issue, it benefits somebody like me, especially because demand in the United States is there. Got it. Interesting. And then what are the supply chain issues upstream that you're, you're still seeing? So the supply chain issues, look, the um, the manufacturers are having a hard, they, they are not cutting at full capacity. All right. The miners are not mining at full capacity. And even the people who certified the diamonds, so the Gemological Institute of America, which is based in Carlsbad, California and New York, but has offices around the world, they aren't, at, they, they don't have their staff at full capacity. Got it. Because of COVID issues, they don't want people on top of other people. So if, let's say, it took me a week to certify a particular diamond, it's now taking a month. Wow. Longer. And and that will moderate over time, you expect. But at least for right now, that's still the case. We, so we see like a 12-month backlog is what we see for the time being. And to tell you the truth, industry-wise, we see a much lower inventory overall. And I'll tell you, I think it's a healthier thing. You learn to the car business, right? You go you go into a dealership. They used to have fifty GMCs or a hundred right. pickup trucks. Now they have seven. Right, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, exactly. no doubt. It's amazing. Um, and and part of that is supply chain issues, right, with chips and whatnot. Wow. Um, okay, here's another question for you. Um, you know, uh, and I don't know that I hear this as much now, but it's like, Hey, I'm going to buy a diamond. Oh, you got to go to New York and go to that. What's the street up there with all the diamond guys on it? I can't. Remember. Thank you. Thoughts on that? Is it still good to yeah. go there, or like, what is yeah. that? You know, tell it. Tell not so everybody's been there, right? Said, so, yeah. So, what ahead. you just said is the funny situation, right? I'll get a referral from New York, 
right? And they'll say to me, hey, Ronnie, I, there's no way I'm buying a diamond from a guy in Atlanta. And I'm like, look, <laughs> diamonds diamonds don't come out of the ground right. under the subway in New York, <laughs> right. all right? They all come out of the ground elsewhere, uh, elsewhere around the world. And they all, for the most part, get manufactured and cut elsewhere around the world. Sure. So it, you could be in some little town in Tennessee, and as long as you got FedEx coming to you, you're just as good as that 47th Street, and your rent is less, right. and you're ex- are lower and so i don't the the nostalgia of 47th street isn't what it was i agree at least yeah. to me yeah no i i definitely agree and and new york is coming back and opening up but it's i just was curious on that because i always walk down that street when i'm anyway when i'm up there for some reason going to meetings um very very cool so um i always love to ask our guests uh some of this is so fascinating by the way i'm so intrigued um but i always love to ask our guests like some of the biggest lessons learned in growing a business now in in your case you came into the family business but you've it's 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 changed and grown and evolved over time we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen and people that lead businesses that are listening and you think about some of your biggest lessons learned what would be two or three two or three things you would share with our audience in terms of things you've learned over time well um so one one thing that always sticks with me is uh, is that you don't get rich from one sale, right? And um, and you 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 have you have to make a lot of sales, and and it's okay to hit a lot of singles. You don't have to hit home runs, and uh, and that's something that that a lot of people in a lot of businesses. When I work with a lot of retail stores, and and I'll get back a diamond that I may have sent to them on consignment, and I see what they marked it up for, and I, I just want. I just feel sorry for the fact that like what somebody was being offered offered a diamond at and what's how greedy somebody may have been because sure because 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 that's not how you create relationships and that's not how you create a business so lots of singles lots of lots lot lots of lots of line drives to the outfield you know base hits you you got you got to do those in order to 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 create a a business. That's, that's something I've, I've always stuck to, um, you know, there's, there's sometimes people feel like they're always leaving money on the table. And I feel like if I made a sale, I made a new client, I made a new friend. Sure. Um, so that's, that's number one. Number two is, um, it's, you know, it's it go, going all the way for the customer, you know, and, um, it, it's the, the customer doesn't always need, doesn't always know what they need, but you do when you're an expert in your line of work. And I like to go all the way, whether I'm making a, a, a piece of jewelry and I have to make sure everything matches perfect, or, or if I'm making a ring that that it comes out perfect. You, that, that extra layer of quality control, quality check, um, making sure that the customer is really, really happy is, is what it's about. And it doesn't matter how big or how small their purchase is. And, um, and the last thing I would say is just, it's just always having like a good attitude. And, um, and I, and I know that that's, that's strange, but like, I just, every, every day brings a new opportunity Totally and, love and, that. and getting stuck and never feeling down. And there's always something new on the horizon. I feel like, like what I did yesterday, I did yesterday and I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I love that. I, and totally I'm all in. Uh, and I bet people feel that also working in your organization. We really didn't talk to, about people and whatnot, but as a team, I'm sure they see that and it comes through, right? When you you wake up every day and, and operate that way, it comes through and that's what people want to work around and work with. Um, man, it's awesome. Uh, we could go on for hours. Uh, share with our listeners where they can find you, how they can connect with you, how do they learn more, um, how can they connect and whatnot? 
All right. So you guys can definitely check out at Universal Diamonds on Instagram. You can go to www.universal.com, universaldiamond.com. Call us, uh, you know, our phone numbers on our website, just Google us. And um, you want to make an appointment to come in. You just want to talk. You're starting the process, whatever it may be. Um, we're here. And whether, whether you're the significant other who's getting it and you want to make sure that you're your boyfriend or husband gets it right. Listen, we'll do whatever it takes. Take as much time as we need. Sit and explore. Really, really see which what what you want. And reach out to us. You can email us. Um, and Justin, I just really appreciate having you on today. You're really cool to meet you. Hey, man, this has been great. I mean, I, I've I think it's been truly educational for our audience. Um, it's a topic again we hadn't covered, and just super fascinating. And I love how you guys are approaching it from a customer first perspective, man. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You got to come back on down the road. We'd love to you, share more of your stories. You got it. Thanks, Justin. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.